When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to luckylandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This is one of the most unusual calls by a referee in the history of the sport. The first loss. A tremendous victory. Welcome, fight fans, to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast's Legendary Nights with myself, Sean Bastow. I'm going to be joined shortly by the Legendary Nights co-host, Johnston Brown. But before we get into the episode, I just want to tell you guys to go and check out our sponsor, Bear Attack Boxing. They're high-quality boxing gloves. They're producing new boxing products, which are going to be coming out very, very shortly. But just get over and check them out. Check our sponsor out, bearattackboxing.co.uk. Find them on social media. You can find them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Bear Attack Boxing. Go and check out, subscribe to what they're doing. They've got some great products coming out very shortly. I'm really excited to be working with them. So please go and give them a quick check out on social media and their website. And also, while you're there, on your phone, on the internet, looking around on social media, go and follow us. BTR Boxing Podcast on Twitter, BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. We're on all good available podcasting apps out there, so subscribe, share, like, do everything I always ask you to do. It's always greatly appreciated by you listeners. So today's episode then, this is going to be the tale of Matthew Macklin versus Jamie Moore, fight of the year 2006. It's one of the greatest fights domestically that we've ever seen and I'm really pleased to be going through this episode and talking about this fight which holds up in today's standards as one of the best fights you'll have ever seen. And if you've not seen this fight, and I don't know where you've been hiding, but you need to go and check it out on YouTube. So guys, this is it. This is the next episode of BTR Boxing Podcast Legendary Nights, and it's the tale of Matthew Macklin versus Jamie Moore. Jamie Moore's walking tall. He's the British light middleweight champion. 
The nation's number one has been involved in some of the most dramatic and exciting fights in recent years. Matthew Macklin is the challenger. He's captured five fans' imagination. Victory tonight would raise him to a new level. Been a long time in the making. Tonight is the night when Jamie Moore and Matthew Macklin sort it out once and for all. Who will be the British light middleweight champion? So this is it then. This is the tale of Matthew Macklin and Jamie Moore. And we've got Johnston Brown back on the line. He's going to be calling this one with me straight down the middle. Johnston, what a fight to be talking about. Oh, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, really pleased that it's, uh, that, 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 you know, those on Twitter voted for this one. Yeah, I remember it well at the time and a uh, really great fight to cover. Yeah, it is a really great fight to cover. And, you know, this actually... I'm going to be honest here and say this has been in the poll a couple of times because it's one of them fights where I wanted it to win at some point, but for some reason or another, there was another fight in there that other people preferred they wanted us to speak about. And on this occasion, we actually got Macklin versus Moore and the response we got off the back of us putting a social media tweet out was immense. Like The fact that both Macklin and Moore, uh, even Will Meller, uh, if anybody knows Will Meller from Two Pints Lager, like Packet of Crisp, and I think he's in line of duty as well, that people are watching at the moment. So guys like that, I, you know, I retweeting the, the little post we put out, and it's like, wow, you know, this is gaining some great attention, and um, I hope we do it justice, and I hope... If you guys do listen to it, Jamie Moore, Matthew Macklin, if you do listen to this episode, you know, we really appreciate you taking the time out to share that across social media and listen to our thoughts on and memories of the fights. But Johnston, this is it then, the tale of Matthew Macklin, Jamie Moore, and a fight that was it's one of them fights that get you into boxing, isn't it? If you was never a fan before, watching this is one of them that would have got you into it. Completely, yeah. Um, you know, a slugfest is always one, isn't it, that that gets uh, the casual fans uh interested and this one was a proper hard slog between two warriors um and you know it it was inevitable wasn't it when the fight was made that uh you know jamie moore and and matthew macklin were both guys that like to come forward so it was always going to be a barnstormer wasn't it it was always going to have that slug fest and it was just a matter of will and heart as to who's going to actually come through it on the night um but yeah, it lived up to its billing. You know, you, you get these fights sometimes. Like, I mean, you just watched Canelo this weekend. So, you know, with Canelo Golovkin, for instance, you just know that what, what the guys are going to deliver. And and these two are no different. Macklin and Moore, yeah, they, they they really did put the bodies in the line. And, you know, they they, they put a, a performance in that it was brutal. Um, and it was it was one for the fans. And the, the, you know, the sellout crowd at the time, you know, that they must have loved every minute of it as, as, as the viewers on Sky. Yeah, they absolutely did, and I was one of them. I was one of them fans that absolutely loved watching this fight. And watching this fight back again in the lead-up to this episode, it was great to be able to sit back and really appreciate how good of a fight it was. And I'm really looking forward to be chatting about it. So as always then, the format of the Legendary Night series and the episodes that we do, we'll be covering it in the format of looking at the most recent side of the careers leading up to the fight for both men. We'll look at, obviously, the build-up to the fight and look at the fight itself. And then also, we'll touch on the aftermath because, you know, these type of fights leave a lasting legacy in boxing, which is why they get voted for and which is why we cover them. But we also want to touch on what happens afterwards for these guys as well because, obviously, 
in some of these series, in some of these episodes of the series that we do, some of these guys go on to have even better careers. Some of them don't so much have as good a career as what you would have expected. So it's great to touch on what this fight kind of means for both men and how it meant for them going forward after it. So let's start then. Let's get into it and talk about the careers. I think we'll start first of all with with Matthew Macklin. And you know, my understanding of Matthew Macklin at this time was watching him coming up through the ranks and. I think the first time I saw Matthew Macklin was actually when he came up against Andrew Facey when he got, ironically, the first loss on his on his career record. You know, he was doing a great career up until he bumped into Andrew Facey and then lost on points when it was his first shot at a, a great professional title, which was the English super welterweight title at the time. And he lost on points in that fight. And that's when I was looking at this guy and thinking, actually, you know, this guy, he's got the potential to go really far and... And, and obviously with the guys he had in his corner at the time, he was like, you know he's probably going to go far, but he's just got a little bit of a stumbling block going into this one. When you first got to know Matthew Macklin as a fighter, when you first got to see him on the scene, Johnston, what were your initial thoughts of him? I, I, thought, I thought, you know, uh, it was always entertaining to watch. Um, the one thing I always remember with Matthew Macklin in his early days, and obviously going on beyond that, was his uh, his body shots. He used to work the body really well. He'd go to the head, go to the body, mix it up beautifully. Um, and, you know, he, he he was one that was down as, as, as a quite hot potential time. Obviously, in the gym with, uh, well, working with um, with Billy Graham, who was his trainer, um, and, and in the Billy Graham gym. Uh, and uh, obviously, quite an, he's a well-established guy who's done, he's been here, and consistent and obviously had Ricky Hatton some fantastic talent in that gym it's always going to rub off, rub off him um, with shows I mean Hatton was always known as a deadly body puncher Macklin was the same and uh, I'm the same as usual and I do remember the Andrew facing defeat uh, it was quite close and it was 95-96 when uh, the ref scored it so but yeah Andrew Facey was uh, he obviously he fought both so he probably knows more than anyone else what these two are like sharing with yeah definitely that's the ironic thing about it is obviously you know they did share a couple of mutual opponents throughout the career but yeah you were touching on the fact that he was obviously in Billy Graham's Phoenix camp and at the time when this fight happened obviously Ricky Hatton was the man and Ricky Hatton was flying and you know this was pre-Mayweather this was when he'd beaten Costa Zoo the year before and and then he'd fought Carlos Mauser got a second world title and I can't remember if he'd moved moved up and fought Calazzo at this point, but I, I know obviously he'd been in some great fights, so it was a great gym to be in. Uh, and obviously when we touch on Jamie Moore's career in a few moments, you know, Jamie Moore was over not far away <laughs> in, in, in the opposite corner. He was in a different gym not too far away, and obviously they all knew each other as well, so, you know, this made the, the, the fight more intriguing. But going back to sort of Macklin's career then, moving up, uh, as he got towards this fight, you know, he got that defeat to Andrew Facey, he came back and he, he, he went on a great string of victories then, so I think he was undefeated in about, it was about eight fights before he got to the more yeah. fights, and then he, he'd had a great couple of experiences, so he'd been over to, to Philadelphia and picked up a win over Anthony Little, which was in 2005, he got a great win in Sheffield, and then we got his penultimate fight before we got the Jamie Moore fight, uh, he was down in his obviously hometown of Birmingham, he got a TKO victory and this kind of led us in, him into a position where he became then the mandatory for the British Super Welterweight title which was at the time currently held by Jamie Moore. Yep, and uh, Jamie Moore had actually, I think he had picked it up outright as well, so uh, there was no need for Jamie really to take the fight, obviously Macklin had 
forced himself into a mandatory position. And uh, yeah, so obviously, I, I think it was, it was difficult, wasn't it, for Jamie? Obviously, he's holding the British title. You know, he doesn't want to duck anyone. I think he openly said that he's not, he's not avoiding anyone. He's not scared of anyone running away from Matthew Macklin. It was literally a pride thing, and the fact that the guys that he was with was the thing in the back of his mind that was sort of stopping him from wanting to take. And and there were weight issues, not not as bad as as it, as it became later on in his career, but there were weight issues in terms of. He probably felt a bit more comfortable at, at, at a weight of middleweight. Um, so, yeah, he stuck around, and thankfully for us, he took four. Yeah, I know. And then this is one of the one of the great things to talk about is Jamie Moore's career. And you know, this is I've said this to you before we started recording this episode. I think a lot of people do consider Jamie Moore as a guy who is one of the best British fighters to never actually receive and take part in a world title shot and that and that for me is is an absolute farce that he never got that opportunity he was never in a position to be able to fight for a world title because obviously the names around as we know at the time when he would say he was in his peak were were fantastic brilliant fighters you know fighters that are going down as as potential hall of famers so it was such a shame that he never got that opportunity but going back to his career i first discovered you know, Jamie Moore, as he was coming up through the ranks sort of early 2000, 2001, and that's when I started to see him on the scene when I was when I was starting to follow Ricky Hatton, because I started following Ricky Hatton, I think it was the late the late 90s, and then obviously you start to see these other Manchester guys come through at the time, and then you've got the likes of Michael Gomez as well floating around at the time, and for me this was, you know, uh, another great Manchester fighter coming through, and then, you know, he got into an absolute barn burner of a fight in 2001 against Scott Dixon, which he lost via a stoppage via a KO and that's really when you start to think about these guys as actually this guy's you know, a really really good fighter but he's just got caught cold in this fight what can he do can he go on and do well in the future what were your initial thoughts of Jamie Moore when you first saw him um, same thing as usual no, um, the first defeat to Scott Dixon I hadn't to be honest I'm going to be honest there. I didn't see too much of, of Jamie uh, being a Londoner, I mean, and I, as I, I think I told you before, I, I didn't go to Sky at the time, so you know, uh, <laughs> it was tricky to keep up with all the fights. Um, obviously, not not like it is today. Um, so yeah, I do remember the Scott Dixon fight, um, and I remember him burning out. He, he sort of gassed out a little bit, didn't he, Jamie? Um, and he just couldn't get up for that for the ten count. Um, so I, to be honest, it, it was it was it, it probably helped Jamie. It probably made him a, a, a better fighter um, and. He actually went on to headhunt Oliver Harrison himself, where he uh, obviously the late Oliver Harrison uh, recently passed away. Um, but um, yeah, it, it, he he decided he wanted to go to Oliver's gym, and then from there, I mean, I think he he, he turned his career around uh, more being the fighter he is now, and and the trainer he is now. He probably learned an awful lot from Oliver, and I think that was the point for Jamie where it sort of I don't know it, it clicked, something clicked, and. You know, he he obviously worked hard on uh, making sure he didn't gas in fights anymore. Because before that, he was he was in the fight. It was a tight fight. So I'm sure he was a bit devastated. He would like to have got a, got another shot at Scott Dixon. But, you know, it wasn't to be. But, yeah, unlucky 13 for Jamie, unfortunately. And then he moves on, has a few more fights. Bill starts to build up again after the back of that loss. And then comes into what was... One of the uh, career-defining moments, or well, so to speak, trilogies of his career, and the only trilogy of his career against Michael Jones, which was a fantastic series of fights with Michael Jones, and and probably for people that don't really know a lot about Jamie and Jamie's career, other than maybe the Macklin fight and the Ryan Rhodes fight, 
if you go back and watch the trilogy with Michael Jones, this this is a very underrated domestic trilogy of fights where when he first fought him in 2003, he fought him in Liverpool, he fought him for the vacant British Super Welterweight title and the Commonwealth title, so there were two titles on the line this night. Michael Jones undefeated in 17 fights in this one, and I tell you what, this is one that people should go back and really look into when it comes to Jamie's career because it was a, you know, it was a really great event and, and ultimately Jamie got the win on the night with a points decision. Well, oh, my word, but what a, what a fight. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, and the crazy thing as well with, with, with that fight in particular was uh, there was a guy on the scene, uh, Paul Samuels, who actually had to drop out due to injury. So Jamie actually got the call a few days, a few days notice uh, and he took up, you know, he took the mantle, you know, three, a, few, a few, I don't even know how many days exactly, but you know, that just shows you what, what Jamie was about. You know, you look at today's society and we've had the boxes are, you know, I'm in an hour and about how much money they're going to get. I mean, these guys, they, they fought to get paid. These guys literally fought for their families. They fought to, you know, to pay off that mortgage. That's what it was about for these guys. And that's what that's what makes them so much, you know, so much special in a way. It makes you, it makes you connect with them a little bit more. And, and Jamie took the fight against Michael Jones and... He, he, he put in a great performance, and, and obviously, yeah, he, he won that British title. I think I think Michael Jones actually had the Commonwealth title, and the British was vacant, so they they fought for the vacant British title, and that was it. He won the British title in, in a few days. Now it just shows you. you know exactly. I mean? you, you take take the balls, but you know you take the balls in, you just go for it, and that's what you get, mate. If you get a result like that, brilliant. It was. And then he moves on in 2003, which was, uh, I've got to say, when you look back on his career, 2003 was a really, really good year for him because he gets the win over Michael Jones. He then goes in against someone from your neck of the woods, another famous domestic fighter in Gary Logan, where he was defending his titles. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was Gary's last fight of his career, to be fair. And obviously, I think, you know, it's probably not disrespectful to say that he was at the end of his career at this point however Gary Logan on the domestic scene in the UK was still a, a big name and still a huge win for Jamie Moore and what and it was a left left-handed body shot and what a bottle shot it was great finish and you know that is another thing with with both Mackie and Moore that the body shots from Jamie Moore were always a major factor in his fights and core if, if anyone wants to have a look at a shot that that Gary Logan fight great body shot ended it in the fifth and then we move on. Now, this is something that we've not touched on yet, and I've left it to this point for a reason, is that when we talked about the fight with Macklin and Andrew Facer, that happened on the 6th of November 2003. So that was the first opportunity at a title for Matthew Macklin. And then when you go mm-hmm. back to Jamie Moore, not two weeks later, on the 22nd of November... Andrew Facey faces off against Jamie Moore for the British Super Welterweight title. And obviously this was, I don't know the background to it, I don't know if it was a last-minute call-up for the fight, but two weeks difference between the fight with Facey and Macklin and then Facey and Moore. And then Jamie Moore beats him by TKO and then continues his career on. But I didn't know that until looking into the history of this. uh, I didn't realise that was so close together. Cool, I didn't even know that myself. Yeah, I didn't see nothing about it. Maybe it was a last-minute call-up then. Because he, he did, I mean, Andrew Facey, he took, uh, uh, <laughs> you ever seen, if anyone can see a fight, go and have a look, the first fight, more, uh, more Facey, wonderful left hook, uh, uh, well, it's, it's a left, uh, he, 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 he called sort of, more of a, you know, a left, uh, I don't know, it weren't necessarily a hook, caught him on the chip, sort of flung it, flung it over his head, and uh, caught, he caught him, bang on, I have no idea to this day how Andrew Facey gets up, mate, he was rocked all over the place. 
but obviously gets up and then gets stopped in the seventh. But unbelievable quality. And then we move on. Then we get to two thousand and four, in uh, which was obviously a very mixed year for, for for Jamie Moore. He obviously defended the Commonwealth title in April of two thousand and four, and then he got two back to back defeats. First of all, he lost to Wassi Duran. He lost his Commonwealth Super Welterweight title via KO over in Belfast, and then he gets a second matchup with Michael Jones for the British Super Welterweight title, which was a disqualification loss and one that you was touching on with me before we started recording. So for the listeners, talk them through, tell them what happened. Why did this become a disqualification? Um, well, first of all, the, the Aussie Duran fight was down to a bad hip. So he actually, if, uh, you know, Moore was a southpaw, he, he's hit, sat with his hip. He's actually switched, he's tried to fight on with orthodox and his orthodox stance in it just wasn't to be and obviously that was why he lost that fight it was nothing else really it was just to do with the hit uh, obviously a few months later he then goes and fights the second fight um, with Michael Jones um, and yeah it was a really strange one um, I remember watching it at the time and, and I actually thought Moore had won the fight I thought he, he sort of I think he hits him low and then it's, it's a right hand um, obviously watching on TV you don't hear the referee call break um, who was Dave Paris? Um, so, sort of, um, Michael Jones sort of goes down, and you sort of think, okay, maybe it's a low blow, and then, but then he sort of waves it off. So even even the commentators are saying, you know, Jim Watts on there, Adam Smith, and they're saying, you know, Moore's won the fight, and then there's a there's a sort of an argument between Jamie Moore, not the end. Oh, he's sort of just, you know, he's he's sort of saying, I heard the break, but you know, we could, well, I don't understand what's going on, and he gets told he gets disqualified. And it didn't go down well at all. I mean, everybody was sort of like, what on earth was he done? I mean, what it was a really poor decision. I have no idea what he was thinking. If anything, he could have took a point from Jamie, whatever. But, oh, you could see in Jamie's face, he was distraught. I mean, he, he, looked, <laughs> he looked so pissed off, mate. Uh, you know, uh, I feel for the bloke, really. I, mean, I remember at the time thinking, I'm gutted, you know, for one, the bad hit against Ozzy Duran, and then you get this. It's like, ah, oh, you know, had such a great year in 2003, and then a really, a really bad one for him in 2004. So credit to him again for for getting himself back into a position where he can win a British title again, which ironically was the third, the trilogy. And it actually came, it actually came about from Barry Earn. I think Barry Earn gave um, Jamie Moore a call and said to him. The Michael Jones trilogy is there if you want it. The British Boxing Board of Control have made you mad at you. Do you want to take it? And he said, yeah, of course. Absolutely. So, yeah, he, he, the third one was coming. And obviously, he wanted sweet revenge for that awful decision from Dave Harris. Yeah, absolutely. And he did. And he got revenge in that fight. He got a stoppage in the sixth round. In what I think you said to me that this was your preferred fight of the trilogy. You said this was the better fight of the trilogy. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I think... Um, the other thing as well with Jamie, um, not only had he had a, a really shit year uh, in 2004, but two days before that, he, he was he openly said like he's now had passed away. So he had that going on as well. Um, and he was actually in the dressing room just prior to the fight, and he got, I ain't coming out. I'm doing this. I can't do it. And it was actually Ricky Atten that went in and sort of said, you know, we do, mate. Come on, sort it out. I don't, you know, I don't know the internet of the exact words he said to him, but he prep talked to him and said to him, look, sort yourself out, go and go, go out there and go and do the job and. Oh, he's, a, he's a fantastic. The third fight was, well, for me, it was the best. Obviously, the second one was, was obviously cut short because poor refereeing. 
But yeah, third fight was brilliant. Yeah, it, it was a stunning third round in particular. Uh, go and check out the third round for the listeners. It is an absolute wonderful fight. And I think he even got voted uh, one of the fights of the year as well for 2004. Yeah, no, it, it, was, it was a fantastic fight. It was a brilliant fight. And guys, if you were listening to this podcast and you're wondering about Jamie Moore's career and you're thinking to yourself, I don't remember this fight. Go and watch it and find find it. It's there on YouTube. It's a great fight to watch. Brilliant fight. Brilliant win for, for for Jamie Moore to come back. You know, after two back to back defeats on his record and the circumstances surrounding them defeats, you think to yourself at that point after having them back to back losses, you know, this is it. He's he's on the slide. He's he's on his way out. But that you know, yeah. the, resili- the resilience he's shown in coming back and and then stopping Michael Jones in the final fight of their trilogy. So this was essentially the rubber match. They'd both got a win on their record against each other, you know, a bit in certain circumstances with the disqualification. But, you know, we get to this third fight and this was the one that was defining it all in a trilogy. And, you know, he gets the win and and it was a great win for him. And obviously that British super welterweight title was on the line. He picked it up yet again. uh, And then then he moved on again. And we had another good few fights just before we got to the Macklin fight, which is what we're here to talk about. The, the, the one more thing as well with, with that Jones fight as well was no, he had all this drama going on. He actually gets put down as well and he's up against the ropes and he looks like he's in all sorts of trouble and you're thinking, oh, Jamie, what's going on? And all of a sudden, you know, he, he just sort of, he connects with one of those left hooks again and knocks Jones back uh, literally to his heels. And that was the turning point, literally from that. And that showed you the heart and desire of Jamie where, he was never beating that that guy, never beating in his head. And that's what was so beautiful about watching Jamie Moore. And that's why people pay money to go and watch him. And that's why he was always, you know, he was he was always featuring on Sky. If he was on the undercard, he was always one of the fights because everybody knew that this guy's going to, you know, people going to watch him. And, and, you know, that says it all. And that, that there is probably the reason why he goes and does what he does against Matthew Matching because all those experiences he's had and obviously... With all, all, all the disasters before the fight, and then obviously getting knocked down, looking in all sorts of trouble, and then wow, and then obviously we move on to the Macklin fight. But that for me, that that was the moment for Jamie. That was, that was a shining light in his career, where you know, it, 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 against all odds, he, he turned it round, and uh, definitely a fight that I would definitely tell viewers to go and watch is the, the third one with Michael Jones because it really is a brilliant fight. So he goes on then, he moves on in his career, he gets three more TKO victories en route to this Macklin fight. Um, it moves us nicely into where we go for the, 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 the build-up for it and we touched on it I think a little bit earlier on in the episode about the fact that the you know these guys both knew each other you know they were both uh, within the same circles they were both just you know it, it was a Manchester thing even though Macklin's a brummer with Irish heritage. Mm. You know, it was he was he was an adopted Mancunian at the time because obviously he was over training in the in the Phoenix camp. He was with Hatton. He was there was so much going on at the time in in, in Manchester boxing and the Manchester boxing scene that it was it was a huge fight really for Manchester and the fact that. The, the, you know, both camps were well known and well known to each other, and you know, I, 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 well, to the point where some of them were friends with each other, and it, it'll obviously become evident a little bit later on when we talk about the fight and and whatnot. But the thing is, when you get two guys like this who are at a stage of the career where you know they both need to go in with each other, but yet there's so much sort of respect there prior to a fight, it make it must make it much more difficult to be able to you know, try and sell a fight, but these two guys were both known for the ferocious body punching uh, and their aggressiveness 
it was surely I think people must have known at the time this was going to be a cracker. Yeah, hundred percent. I think it sold out over I think a couple of days, and you know back then it wasn't as easy as just go and get your tickets online. Although it's a small venue, you know these guys had to had to queue and they were there at early hours. You know, not you know they were there really early to pick up their tickets, and and you know in today's you know, if you'd have thrown Macklin against Moore on an Eddie Earn card on in, on Matchroom any in Manchester, for instance, you know, whether it would have sold out the MEN, we don't know, but it would have been close, and that would have been the venue they would have been having this fight, you know, and and it would have done it would have done good business, and obviously with it being such a great fight as well, um, oh, that would have been it would have been great for Sky. I mean, as I say, it was a small hall fight in a way. I think it was only I think it, I'm not too sure, but I think it was about two thousand, three thousand it holds as an attendance, so. Yeah, it was it was a small venue, but well, you know, a great fight. And and even before that, obviously Ricky Hatton being in Macklin's gym, and he always was in Macklin's corner. And obviously being good friends with Jamie Moore, he actually approached Sky himself and said to him, you know, can I go on as a pundit? Because uh, I, I can't I can't be in Macklin's corner while he's fighting Jamie, sort of thing. So he managed to swerve the fight in a way where he's in the studio, um, and and even Kerry Kay's uh, actually was said. It, he said when he was in the gym and Moore walked in when they were training and prepping for the fight and um, you know he said he felt really awkward when he see Jamie he's like, he didn't know what to do with himself and Jamie Moore being Jamie Moore he was quoted as if to say look it's just business mate this is what it is this is this is the name of the game um, and that's just the sort of person Jamie Moore was that's it and the thing was like there was no there was no spite at all in the build up was there for this at all there was like I'd love yeah. to sit here I'd love to sit here and say oh there was there was you know, we think about the episodes we've done recently where, you know, we talk about the Hamed and the Kelly build-up in the last episode and how they were <laughs> yeah. chatting, chatting to each other. There was no spite in this one because it was just a good, old-fashioned domestic dust-up which involved two guys who had mutual respect for each other and whose camps had mutual respect for each other because they all knew each other really well. So it, it made it more difficult in that respect that, you know, when you've got guys like Ricky who was obviously wanting to not be in the corner of Macklin, a corner he'd been in so many times before, because he was friends with Jamie at the time, you know, and he still is. It, it's it's a diff- yeah. such a difficult situation to be in. But this is it. This is the name of the game, as they say, and this is what makes uh, a fantastic domestic fight. And, you know, for me, as I said at the top of the show, it's one of the greatest fights in, in British domestic history and will always live as one of the greatest fights in British domestic history. And I'm really, really pleased that we've got the opportunity to actually talk about the fight now and talk about where we are. A couple of things that I wanted to really sort of make note of is, in terms of experience going into this fight, Jamie Moore had a lot more experience. He'd been the distance, I think, a good few more times than what Macklin... I think Mick Macklin had not been past the, the, the sixth or seventh round leading up to this fight. So that... You know that was an absolute telling factor on the night when we when we talk about the fight in a, in a few moments. But these were things that you know I, I, you failed to forget so many years on. You failed to forget the fact that obviously Matthew Macklin was this guy who had one defeat on his record to a mutual opponent, who Jamie Moore then went on to stop not long afterwards. Mm-hmm. You kind of that's when you sort of start to compare. Like, well, hang on a minute. Well, he's just beat Andrew Facey, and Andrew Facey beat Matthew Macklin. So does, does this, you know, does this mean that it's going to be this way? But actually, no, because this was an absolute topsy turvy back and forward fight. And I think I wanted to find out your initial memories of this fight from 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 the start. Really, when this when the opening bell went and they both got in the ring, what were your initial memories of it? 
Well, first of all, Macklin come out like a bullet, didn't he? He actually he flew out of the trap and put put uh, Moore under severe pressure. You know, he backed him up. He was he was pushing him up against the ropes, and he was just constantly on the body to the head. Um, and you know, Moore obviously was 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 given just as much as he was getting. But for me, I thought Macklin had shaded that first round. Um, but the whole fight itself was just a thrilling spectacle. It was just literally non-stop action. There's, uh, my, uh, if I if you're sort of watching the fight and recapping the fight again sort of on YouTube so over the last sort of couple of nights, um, I do remember recall watching the fight and and uh, I, 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 if I remember rightly, as I did again uh, watching it the second, third, fourth time, every time I've watched it now. Is I, I think I got my pen ready and I was ready to do to do my scoring. Like as you do, I think I put the volume down <laughs> and I was going to do my scoring, um, which I tried to do, which I done with obviously with Canelo and Jacobs recently uh, over the weekend. But it was one of them fights. I think I got to about round three or round four, and I completely forgot about the scoring. I was like, I don't even know who's winning these rounds. But you know what? What a fight! And that is exactly what it was. It was just constantly. If you could, you could probably give 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 every single round because it was that good. It really was. And, uh, and uh, it was also, someone also called it the British Gatty Ward. And, you know, it, sound, it sounds a bit, you know, high praise, maybe a little bit too much. But you know what? This fight was worth the praise like that. The, the British Gatty Ward is basically what this fight was. It was just awesome. Literally, and I love a slugfest, so that's just my personal preference anyway. So, um, yeah, uh, it was just, it was just, a great fight to watch. I, I, you know, there's not really much more to say. It's just a great fight, and uh, and there was a lot of technical ability involved in there as well. Um, but you know, um, yeah, awesome, basically, absolutely pucker. Yeah, no, it was. It was an absolutely amazing fight, and my my early memories uh, of this fight, and and I think back to watching it at the time, I do remember how quickly Macklin came out of the blocks, and I remember, you know, thinking to myself, wow. You know, Macklin's really up for this. He's 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 out there to make a statement. He's out there to make a stoppage pretty quickly. And the way he was throwing the body shots in were, was was unbelievable. Both men took so many body shots on that night. It was it was absolutely ridiculous. They both came out. Uh, and, and like you said, when you talk about a, a British version of Gatti versus Ward, I don't think the praise is, is high at all. I think the praise is justified because actually this fight... It was like Gatty Ward, you know. This was what we. It was, what, wasn't it? it? This is what we had. We didn't. We didn't really have many fights over in Britain where you could honestly sit there and say, you can compare it to a fight of the magnitude of, and 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 the way, Gatty Ward has aged. That fight has aged so well, and this fight is another fight that's aged so well as well because of the way both men went hell for leather in that fight. And when I was touching on earlier about the fact that obviously Macklin had not had as much experience as Jamie Moore, you know, Jamie Moore, you gotta remember, this was he was going into his seventh British title fight here, whereas mm-hmm. Macklin had only had an English title shot and Macklin had only gone past the fifth on just two occasions. Whereas Jamie Moore had obviously had the more distance fights, he'd been in longer fights, he'd been in hard fights, and I don't think Macklin had had the same experience as Jamie Moore, so for me, this was always going to be a big factor on the night, but then the fact that Macklin came out so quickly, and started to, to unload so quickly, he was always worried about, could they keep up the pace of the fight, and to be honest with you, looking back on it now, I'm surprised he kept up the pace of the fight as long as they did, it went all the way obviously into the 10th round, and I was surprised by, you know, 
by the sort of fourth, fifth round, it wasn't absolutely well. They, they did, to be fair, they did look absolutely spent. But I was surprised he wasn't spent earlier because they both went hell for leather in this one. It was such a hard slog for both men, and it unfolded in front of our eyes. And you were just saying there, you made an absolutely fantastic point about the fact that you've actually physically tried to sit and score this fight. You know, <laughs> what thirteen years after the fact, and you get so captivated in the fight that you forget what you're actually watching it for you forget that you're watching it because you're scoring it because you want to talk about it on this podcast and then you realize actually this fight is 13 years old but yeah i'm still i'm still engrossed in the fight as if it was happening live uh, it was it was yeah i mean uh, you can try i mean the only way i can break down a fight isn't necessarily by normally i break it down with it, you know, there's always, when you watch a fight, like, for instance, I'll keep going back to the you know, Jacobs fight, but there's always, like, an incident that happens. This one was just constant. It was always something happening in every single round. And with Macklin, I think Macklin nicked the first round because, you know, he, he did put a lot more, a lot of pressure. But in the second round, uh, Moore actually said that he, uh, it, Oliver Harrison said to him, look, when if you actually watch Macklin in the first round, he will go body, head, body, body, head. He will throw a combo. And then he will back off and have a breather. And then he'll go again. And in the second round in particular, um, what, what Jamie did do really well was that when he went for that breather, that was when Jamie went in for the attack. And that's, that is, he, he puts credit to that with Olive Harrison who said to him, when he has that breather, I'll put the pressure on him. And he does that really well. Um, and I mean, you can see Macklin straight away, I think around, even around the third, fourth, he, he's got his mouth wide open. He's flying wildly and missing some shots as well. And obviously that, that took it to time, you know, trying to really as you say, throw hell for liver and, and he's missing Jamie, um, which Jamie, you know, is another thing with Jamie Moore is he was so good on the ropes how he could sort of, he would he would block shots and move his head well and he would just sort of spin his man and he would be able to put the pressure on. He, he had that in his lock. He was very good at that. Um, a bit bit similar to sort of like how a Liam Smith fights today, I suppose. Um, but yeah, um, I, I, I mean, the, the fifth, the sixth, I think the sixth round was, was probably one of them one of the best rounds I've ever seen, um, and and then they would literally it was it was just too it was just crazy it was just like it was sizzling wasn't it it was just constant action um, but yeah I think Macklin tried to go early and, and it didn't work for him and I think he openly says after that he did struggle with the weight and you know effectively that probably would have hindered him going further on and Jamie although when you watch the fight you sort of thinking is is Jamie in a bit of trouble he sort of got his wits about him although he's knackered don't get me wrong. But, you know, Macklin, is, he, was, he was completely knackered. Um, and even Jamie Moore said, right, I think around the fourth, fourth round, he said to him, like, you're feeling this, didn't you, to Macklin? And you can actually see it. Macklin smiles and smashes his gloves together and goes, no, I'm all right. And it goes again. So, <laughs> you know, they, they, they were just, you can't, you, the only way you can describe them is just two warriors. And you're just sitting there watching these guys go at it. And it was just, it was a pleasure to watch. And, that that just again that these two guys that's what they will always be remembered of you know being these warriors they, 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 they will always be forever indebted to these both these fighters for for the performance they put in it was just brilliant absolutely brilliant and as that fight got near to the end you know we get to sort of the eighth and the ninth and the eighth and the ninth are unbelievable rounds and now Macklin is swaying how about this Jim this has been an incredible pace. Uppercuts now from Macklin. Left shot, Jamie Moore. Macklin crashes into the ropes. See, Moore should be looking to find himself some room. He's hot, Macklin. He wants to be stepping by, but back he comes oh, again. Look at this from Matthew Macklin. And Jamie Moore is backed up. What about this? 
unbelievable. Well, this is the kind of exchange that can break either fighter's heart. Whoever comes out of this type of exchange may go on to victory, but there's no hints as to who that's going to be. Toe to toe, exchanging with each other in a dramatic fight. And we have no idea what's going to happen next. Again, it looks as though Markman has nothing left, but we've seen this before. Back it comes firing again. Moore beckons him in. Desire a plenty for Macklin. This is good work for Jamie Moore. Macklin's defences are scattered here. Looking disorganised to shovel Macklin and holds on. Unbelievable rounds and two two of the best rounds I've ever seen with that sixth round that you mentioned there. Oh man, I tell you what, if you've guys, if you've not watched this, you know, you need to go and watch this fight <laughs> yeah. because I tell you what, we're sat here and we're hyping it and we're talking about it and we're not there's no exaggerations with anything we're saying. You're listening to this podcast and you're thinking, mm, I've never seen that fight. I might go and watch that. You know, I'm saying to you now, go and watch the fight because it is one of the greatest domestic fights you will ever go and watch. We get to the eighth and ninth round then, Johnston, and like you said, it was absolutely sizzling. They were both throwing. They're both knackered. They're both throwing shots. They're both, you know, working each other off the ropes. It was a great, great couple of rounds. And then we get into the final round of the fight and at this point you can see both of them are absolutely exhausted they're both spent but I think watching it back now from when I watched it back in 2006 I can see now that you could just see Jamie Moore just had that little bit more left in his tank to close the show and and that is exactly exactly what he did with a fantastic two punch combination to straight down the pipe straight down the middle and Macklin just absolutely in exhaustion just absolutely collapsed yeah. face face first to the floor and that was it it was over use the defence use his skills a bit more Macklin shaking by that one yeah good punch from Jamie Moore can Macklin hold on dig deep or will he fall apart looking disorganised again Macklin he's just swaying all over the place not even thinking about defence Macklin oh he has to go down finally hit the tent that's a push no, that's a push he stumbled down a punch landed before the there, but I think he actually pushed his shoulder. That's the fact that he, he collapsed to the canvas. He looks as though he has nothing left. Yep, may not have been a knockdown legitimately, but was that the breakthrough for Moore? Seeing him go down, seeing him exhausted. And there's no start in anything. And he comes back with a beautiful right hand. What training Matthew Macklin has done. Hats off to Billy Graham, Kerry Kays and the team. Oh, that could be Kurtz. He won't get up for that. Tenth round, Macklin's out. Fight's over. No celebration for Jamie Moore because the doctors will need to come in. That's the respect between them. And at the end of the war, it is Jamie Moore that comes through a quite phenomenal battle. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think... I think that round nine, um, I, again, like the round six, round eight, absolutely brilliant. And round nine was probably out of them all. If you're going to pick one, I suppose you pick round nine, but you could have picked sort of two, three, four of these as rounds of the year. And, you know, rounds of the, the decade even, you know what I mean? It was that good. And, I mean, we aren't overhyping this. You're right, Sean, we really ain't. Um, and after, after that round nine, you do see, like, Matthew Macklin was already, you could see he was tired. I mean, he had his mouth open, as we've you know, as, as alluded to, and he he staggered back to that corner. He did look literally shattered. And and I was sort of thinking, yeah, 
watching back and thinking, yeah, I'm not surprised he, he put to sleep as low as he was. But yeah, Moore was obviously just as tired. But yeah, he, I think again, he even said himself that Oliver Harrison said, compose yourself and throw the straight one too. Um, and that'll put him away. And that's exactly what happened. And boy, he put him to sleep, didn't he? He did. <laughs> I'll tell you what. He's, when, you, when you watch it, but when you watch it back, when you watch that fight back, and you watch the ending of that fight, it just looks totally brutal. But a lot of a lot of the the, the knockout was exhaustion. It was the fact that Madeline was it was so tired after giving everything for nine rounds, and then you know. <sighs> You wouldn't. You makes you wonder how much sting was in them punches. I'm not saying they weren't, but surely after that many rounds, there wouldn't have been as much power in the punches as they would have been four or five rounds earlier. And I think, all, although they probably still would have hurt, I think it was just more exhaustion, tiredness, uh, and the fact that he got clobbered with two straight shots. That he was just like that. You know, his body just gave up on him, and he went face down. And it looks horrible to watch back on it when the it way does. he goes face down. It does. It looks shocking. And if you watch the Skype punditry afterwards. Even Ricky, you know, it was horrible for him to watch. He even said it himself. He, you know, it must have been hard for him to to be able to sit through that and watch that happen to to, to someone he considered a very very good friend. So, you know, it was it was an amazing an amazing fight. And I think when when you, you look back on it in hindsight, and you look back on things that they've both said in in the aftermath. Macklin in particular says that he's watched the fight so many times. He, he, he like you said earlier, he's had openly admitted that he really struggled to make the weight in that fight and it was basically from about four or five rounds in just fighting on pure heart and instinct and you know it was it was one of them you didn't know how how deep how deep both men could dig you know in there yeah. to see what they had left and, and both men dug really deep on that night Other to the point it was literally to the brim they emptied the tank they absolutely went for it and yeah, well, Macklin struggled with the weight, and he said that. But he was—he even says to this day that it was that it was a tough fight. But because of that fight, it, it made him realise how much heart he has, you know. So, and Jamie had already proven that with the Michael Jones fight. So he already knew he had that heart there. Macklin was still early in his career, so that was a massive learning curve for Macklin and and Jamie, obviously. He had the experience and he just had that little bit more savviness. He just was a little bit more savvy than, than Matthew Macklin. And to be able to just have the energies, you know, when you're that tired, to be able to actually think straight is, you know, you, you can't basically. It's impossible to think straight when you're that exhausted. So for more, just had that little bit of because of previous experience. And as you, as you said at the start, Sean, that experience helped more win this fight. But, you know, all in all, they they would you know they they both have utmost respect for each other, to the point where Macklin's down face down unconscious. You like he's not. I think I think more celebrates quickly and then realizes the situation. He's even telling the crowd. He's trying to gesture to the crowd to calm down, keep calm because we don't know what, what what sort of state Macklin's in at the minute. And it took obviously a little while when he went out on the stretcher. But again, that that's the sort of person that Jamie is. He's just you know he's that down to earth guy, and that's why people liked him so much. Because he was, you know, he's not going to jump around celebrating while some geezers, you know, a guy that he knows well is completely flat and unconscious on the floor. But you know, you've, we've just got to give him the utmost respect. You know, what what a fantastic fight for us to be talking about and look back on. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant. And I think a nice a nice little point to touch on with it being so so relevant as of as of recent times as is the fact that obviously you know 
uh, Oliver Harrison recently passed away. You know, God rest his soul. And I know yeah. this is something that was a big factor in in Jamie's career. And and this particular fight, you know, was was he's even openly said that if he didn't have Oliver in his corner for this particular fight, that this fight wouldn't pro- probably have been the fight that we know today. It probably would have been a complete different fight. And he talks about the tactics that you know Oliver told him to use in the fight. And he basically said if you try and outbox him, he's he's just gonna He's just going to walk right through, yeah. And yeah. Jamie was told by Oliver that you know you've got the you've got the, the tenacity to break this guy's heart and just make him miss and make him pay. Uh, and those were the tactics that worked on the night. They were the ones that worked to treat. And that that for me, you know, when you think about what's just happened recently, and then obviously losing someone so soon and so young, that it's uh, it's it's pretty sad and ironic that we're having this conversation about a fight which you know had. Had two master tacticians in the corner, two guys in Billy Graham and Oliver Harrison that are well known yeah. on the fight scene yeah. as being two of the best. Absolutely, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree with you more, Sean. Um, it was it was a great fight to watch. Um, obviously, Macklin unconscious and he was he was sent off to Hope Hospital, uh, and and Jamie didn't even go to the after party. He literally decided, you know what, you know I'm going to go and check on my mate, and he went to Hope Hospital, and that again. Jamie <laughs> says it all about him, doesn't it? So, yeah, he goes and checks on Matthew Macklin Hospital, which we all know it was absolutely finally went on to have a, have a glorious career. That's exactly what we're going to discuss now. Really, we're just going to briefly touch on the aftermath of this particular fight and and what it meant for both guys. So, obviously, talking about Macklin first, then briefly touching on it. I don't want to go through a complete career synopsis of it, but I think everybody knows in recent memory of of some of the great fights Macklin went on to have, and I think for me, one of the one of the most great greatest but bitter sweet nights that I've seen of Matthew Macklin's was when he fought Felix Sturm in 2011 and lost on a split decision in in what for me was one of the biggest robberies in recent boxing memory because he absolutely battered Sturm from pillar to post throughout that fight but yet got robbed in Germany but yet it was it was you knew then in that fight when he fought Sturm that he was a world-class fighter he could mix it with the world's best when he went in there and battered Sturm from pillar to post but didn't get the decision and then he got a fight with Sergio Martinez. He lost to Martinez, which again was another great fight until you know he got to the point where he couldn't go any longer. And then who else did he go in the ring with but Triple G? Come on, I mean, they were three fights in the space of about five of his fights over that period of time between 2011 and 2013 where he'd been in against some of the greatest fighters that I've, I've, I've ever laced up the gloves in terms of that particular division. Hundred percent, and and I'm gutted for for Matthew Mack. I remember watching that fight in Germany like in, against Felix Sturm in Germany, and I was so gutted. I thought, for me, he he he'd done more than enough in the opening seven rounds to be so far ahead that even if he pinched the last couple, even if you could give Sturm the last couple, you know, he still wins the fight. I mean, uh, I don't know. Even I don't. I'm not one for punch stats. I never have been. I never. I never like them because they're. Uh, you know, it's down for human error. That's just the way I see it personally. So, but with this particular fight, he he. You know, there's not even an argument. The amount of punches. I think if you, I, I, I'm not even. Gonna, I, can't, I don't know the numbers. I haven't got it in front of me. But he he completely out punched for Felix Dum. And uh, I think the only thing people could ever turn around to me and say that no, nah, he. he uh, he didn't quite connect, and you know Felix threw the the harder punches. But come on, I mean you watched the fight, Sean. I, I'm glad you agree with me because I completely think that Macklin got robbed that night, and I was, I was gutted for him. 
yeah, his yeah. first shot, and he deserved it. He deserved to become a world champion. And obviously, you know, as you as you mentioned, Sergio Martinez and Gennady Golovkin. I mean, he cut. They're probably down as the two best middleweights of recent years. I mean. Unbelievable. I mean, the body shot that Golovkin does with Macklin is brutal, isn't it? I mean, I think he breaks two of his ribs as well. So, and he will even turn around to his day and say that's probably one of the biggest body punches he's ever had. And he's been in the ring with Jamie Moore, who can punch <laughs> it in the body. Trust me. So, you know, um, yeah, I was gutted for him. I mean, that was the one chance. In the day, he had three world title shots, two of them against the world's best. You're talking elite, you know, and. It's difficult for our fighters, isn't it? I mean, we we look at we we look at Ricky Hatton's career, and you look at McLean's career, and I think just when they get to that elite stage, isn't it? It just it just wasn't good enough. It's a shame. When we do have fighters that obviously can, you know, like Cole Fletcher and people like that, but talking proper elite here, and they just you know with McLean, it was just short of it, wasn't it? I mean, he put Sergio Martinez down as well, although it was more probably more of a slip than anything, but and it sort of kicked Sergio Martinez into gear, but. Yeah, got it, got it, got it for Macklin. Got it for him. Yeah, me too, me too. I enjoyed watching Macklin's career, and you know the the fights that he was involved in were some fantastic fights with some fantastic names. But nothing for me will ever compare to this fight with Jamie Moore with Macklin's career. And I was I was so happy to to be able to sit back and, and watch his career unfold and and the way he got them opportunities. But in contrasting comparisons to Jamie Moore's career, when you look at what Jamie Moore went on to do afterwards, he, he went on to start to fulfil his potential by becoming a European champion in 2009 and then defending that European championship before he bumped into Ryan Rhodes, a guy that was on a career resurgence in what was another fantastic fight. I mean, this, was, this was, wasn't too far away from... Macklin Moore, this Ryan Rhodes and Jamie Moore wasn't too far away from the way Macklin Moore went. It was a, a brilliant fight, and and that was really where it sort of started to to to, to come to an end for for Jamie. Obviously, he'd been the European champion, he'd been a British champion, Commonwealth champion. You know, he'd he'd, he'd done a lot more in boxing than than what a lot of people that start as a pro dream of doing. You know, there's some pros out there that start and think British championship that is my goal, that is where I want to be. And for Jamie, he got to the European level, and that Ryan Rhodes fight in particular, there was a lot of discussion over the fact that the winner of that fight would eventually go on to, to fight for a world title, which Ryan Rhodes did. He fought Sal Canelo Alvarez, who we've just seen against Danny Jacobs. He's just signified himself as the best middleweight on the planet and one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. And Jamie Moore was just so close to getting that opportunity against a guy like that, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was it was for the WBC. I think it was an eliminator fight, wasn't it, uh, with Ryan Rhodes? And uh, it looked like um, he, he looked like he put him down in the fifth. I remember watching it, thinking, "Oh, James got him," and then it was it was scored as a low blow. Um, and then obviously Ryan, um, it, I don't know. He just, I'm not sure if there were certain things going on with in Jamie. I mean, I know he was struggling with the weight. I think um, even Kerry Kays, he was brought in after the Macklin fight to, to work on the weight, to sort of bring the weight down. Um, but he did get to a stage where he probably could have moved up two weights, to be fair, on Jamie. Um, but after sort of winning a European title, sort of light middle, and then the Macklin fight, he'd established his name in the division. And, you know, you can't blame the guy for wanting to continue in that weight after, you know, as I say, making a name for himself um, and then fighting Ryan. But, um, yeah, it just wasn't to be for, for Jamie, unfortunately, was it? Um, and, you know, I think, again, Kerry Kay said that I think the water retention, it just, it just, just couldn't keep the weight down in the end. So, 
yeah, it's one of them things, I suppose, isn't it? It's unfortunate for Jay, but again, as you say, brilliant fight. <laughs> yeah, really good fight. It really was a good fight. And obviously, Jamie ended his career uh, in 2010 after he finished a fight again. I can't remember his name. Kamitsky, I think it was. Yeah, I remember it was. Sergey Kamitsky. That's right. Yep. Who, went, who went on to have some actually pretty decent fights in that division, Kamitsky, from what I remember. But he had a, he had a fight, obviously, Kamitsky. And then after that, it was uh, it was time to call it a day, weren't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I vaguely sort of watched a little documentary on Jamie as well. And, I mean, he does, he does mention that there was sort of... Um, Variations on the brain scan. Um, it wasn't that he had to. He wasn't ever told yet. Was you know he needs to stop. But I think it was just a matter of it was a slight change. Um, and you know again he fought to a level where I mean what was he thirty one thirty two? Um, you know you got a young family. You got a decision to make. So you know hundred percent. You know what's the point in keeping going if, if there's been a slight change? You know you know he openly said himself that he decided to call it a day after that. So. Credit to Jamie. I think it was a shame that he couldn't go on because you know if if maybe that all this you know with with with, with the uh, sort of British boxing board with their scans that have come through injury concerns with his shoulder not being able to make the weight and keep that weight off um, and then obviously it was just it just it just it was just a time thing I think obviously he lost to Ryan Rhodes who the WBC champions at the time was Sergio Martinez and after that it was uh, it was Manny Pacquiao and then it was. Uh, Canelo, as you said, Ryan Rhodes actually fought Canelo, so it, it, it sort of rubbed him with that big fight. I mean, it would have been nice for him just to sign off with, with a big fight, but you know, brilliant career, though, brilliant career for Jamie, and and what a fight to watch. Seriously, if anyone didn't know Jamie or just knows him as a trainer now, literally go and watch back some of Jamie's fights because they're brilliant. They really are. And that's one of the things that we we can touch on as an ending note, really. This fight took a lot out of both of these men. It took a piece of their souls, I think, were left in the ring on that night. And the ironic thing about the whole situation was the fact that a few years later, I think it was, what was it, about eight years down the line after that particular fight, Macklin decides he needs a new trainer and who else but to look against than, than Jamie Moore. Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant stuff, isn't it, really? I mean, I... I was I was surprised by it to be fair. I think it was literally just after the Golovkin fight, if I remember rightly. Um, I, I do remember. I have, a, I have the memory of this. Uh, you know, they do the uh, gloves are off, don't they? They, yeah. they don't. They done one with the middleweights. I don't know if you remember it, Sean. With, uh, they, they had Macklin, you had Bay, Darren Barker, uh, Martin Murray, and Andy Lee. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was good. Yeah. I remember watching. That. It was a good, good episode. Yeah, and he, I think he touched on the last when they said, like, you know, I've got Jamie, and a lot of people were sort of like, wow, okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it, it, it was ironic, wasn't it? But that, again, it shows you, it happens, doesn't it? I mean, Macklin's really thought, I don't need anyone necessarily to teach me tactics, you know, I know what I'm doing now. You know, obviously, someone you always sort of try and give you something different, but it was all about, have you got the heart, have you got the desire anymore? So that's probably where that would have come from. It's more of a mental thing, and him knowing Jamie so well, and obviously this this great legendary night, domestic legendary night, um, ah, it, it is it just shows you, doesn't it, the respect that they had for each other? Yeah, it does, and and this is why, like, we put this out as. As, as, as an option for Legendary Nights because when we think of Legendary Nights we don't just think of all the, the complete fights that you would expect all the time yes we've done Hagler Hearns yes we've done Gatti versus Ward but you've got fights like this you've got fights like Macklin versus Moore you've got the Hamed versus Kelly there's so many other 
uh, available options out there, and obviously, as as fight fans, we wanna we wanna talk about the, the the best fights that we've ever seen. And and for me, these are legendary nights. These are nights that will always stick out in memory. You know, probably as long as I'm a boxing fan, because I'll never forget fights like these because they were so iconic on the night. And what they did for both men was the, the you know they left this lasting legacy for both men in their careers. So yeah, definitely a legendary night, and I've really enjoyed going through it and taking a trip down memory lane for this particular fight. And I hope everybody that's listened to the episode has also enjoyed taking a trip down memory lane. And I can only say you need to go and watch the fight if you've not watched the fight. Go and watch it. If you've listened to this episode and you thought, oh, I've never seen that fight, you need to go and watch it. If you've already seen the fight numerous amounts of times, just go and watch it again for the fun of it because it's a fight that you can easily sit down and watch and think to yourself, wow, this is this is one of them fights that I can easily watch over and over again. Uh, Johnston then, final memories of Macklin versus Moore. Oh, just, it was it was just a great, great round of sizzling action, basically. Uh, you could have picked three or four rounds as possible round of the year material. The actual knockout itself, the, the two punch combination was was uh, was beautiful to watch really in a way, you know, in a sick I hate to say it like that, because obviously Macklin's face down on the canvas in the tent. But it was a great finish. And, you know, even just the reaction after that from Jamie and Matthew Macklin when he was when he was carried out on the stretch, he's still waving to the crowd and just oh, it's just it's just a hard slog. Uh, from two warriors basically and if you haven't seen it please go and go and get yourself on youtube and have a look because it really is a brilliant fight and uh, if you if you you know if you like a slugfest this is this is the one you know go and have a look at it brilliant definitely so guys if you've enjoyed listening to this episode of btr boxing podcast legendary nights please go over and share the episode across social media please go and find us on all the podcasting apps that are out there if you use apple Podcasts, find us on there subscribe rate and review send a message let us know what you think of the episodes if you're on any other podcasting app we're there we're on every single one you can go and find us you can rate and review us you can share us we're there we really appreciate all the support and we're glad that you're enjoying this little mini series of legendary nights we'll be getting a poll out to you shortly after this episode and you'll be able to vote for your next favorite fight on the list and as the weeks go by there'll just be more and more fights coming your way so i hope you've enjoyed it johnston thank you so much as always for coming on and being a part of this series really appreciate it no problem Sean no I love every minute of it mate always a little bit of homework on the fights and just watching the back and yeah thanks for having me on and keep up the good work Sean you're doing great work BTR Boxing brilliant stuff thank you so guys thanks for listening we'll see you on the next episode of BTR Boxing Podcast Legendary Nights this is one of the most unusual calls by a referee in the history of the sport the first class a tremendous victory Podcast Network.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.